0: that's what all of us want. I don't care what kind of tough exterior you have. I don't care if you're a man or a woman listening to this. All of us want love and connection.
1: Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are, whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Hey, everyone. You're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by Andrea Owen. Andrea is a certified life coach and the proud author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life. She's the creator of your Kick-Ass Life blog and podcast, and I'm going to be saying ass a lot today. Let's just get that out of the way. Andrea, hi. Welcome to On Air with Ella. Hello
0: everyone. Happy to be here.
1: I'm so glad you're here. I found you by cyber stalking. I actually was on a mission, Andrea, to find someone who could speak to confidence, who could speak to courage, who could speak to breaking out of the status quo and talk to people where they are about how to move the needle in their life from something, something away from mediocrity toward that life that they know they can achieve, but they're not necessarily taking the steps to achieve it right now. And, and, And you came
0: up well I mean I'm sure you were looking for somebody with the word ass in their business too so that's probably why I came
1: up. mostly I was just (laughs) typing in (laughs) kick-ass by the way don't don't do that Don't, (laughs) don't recommend it okay Andrea I would love for you to share a little bit about sort of how you got where you are right now so before we go to present day Andrea I'm going to drag you back in time because I think your story is so relatable to men and women alike. And you've kind of been through the ringer a little bit in terms of relationships and mindset and your relationship with food and your relationship with exercise. Is that, is that a fair mm-hmm. statement? Yes, it is. Well, let's go there. Tell us, tell us the life story insofar as it led you where you are today.
0: The three-minute version?
1: Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because I grew up, like I had a great idyllic childhood, which made me feel even worse <laughs> you know, when I stepped into my 20s and things started to fall apart. But I did a really good job of making sure things looked amazing on the outside. And I think that was part of the problem. And, you know, looking back on it in my 20s, I entered my 20s after a series of, um, I had about 18 months of, of pretty traumatic events. My, um, I was an, an only child, and my, my parents <clears throat> um, divorced, and I had no idea they were having problems. My dad checked himself into an inpatient treatment center for alcoholism, and I got pregnant unexpectedly. I was a teenager and you know, had an abortion, which was extremely difficult and didn't know what to do and didn't really have anyone to help me through that, and then I, at 19, was date raped. So, oh my gosh. Uh, hello, everybody.
1: That, that wasn't in your blog, Andrea.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, you asked for the story, Ella. It, that all happened in a fairly short amount of time, about 18 months. Uh, and so I was 19, you know, I entered my 20s, and I welcomed pretty severe codependence, uh, an eating disorder, and love addiction, which really is more than just a Robert Palmer song. It, like, really is a thing.
1: Love addiction. Okay, what does that mean?
0: Love addiction basically meant for me and my experience was that I, love and relationships were my high. I confused love and a lot of times sex with real love and intimacy. So I thought that I got everything that I, I tried to get my own self-esteem and my own confidence and my own self-love through the eyes of whoever I was in a relationship with or whomever I wanted to be in a relationship with. It just, it was in an... In a nutshell, I was a mess at relationships and was a little bit crazy. I use that term loosely, (laughs) but that's what it looked like my entire 20s. And then um, I was in the same relationship from the time I was 17 until I was 30, and we were married, and uh, we were talking about conceiving our first child, and uh, I thought things were pretty good, and he had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant.
1: Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. (laughs) The husband...
0: My husband, my first husband, yep. Wow, okay. This guy I had been with for 13 years. And it wasn't like, oh no, I made a mistake, Andrea. Can you please forgive me? We'll figure this out. It was, I'm not in love with you anymore. There's no room for you here anymore. I'm divorcing you. And I often say too, losing his family was sometimes harder than losing him because his family had become my family. It was like literally overnight, I got the rug pulled out from under me, everything ended. So you would think that, you know, That would be kind of my wake up call. It wasn't. I entered a relationship very quickly with um, someone else whom I thought was Mr. Right. You know, I was a love addict still. So he, he swept me off my feet on the second date. He told me that he could see himself marrying me and we could have children together. And he also told me he had cancer. So nine months later into this relationship, he had quit his job. I was supporting him financially to get his cancer medication. It turns out that this person did not have cancer. He was a drug addict and had siphoned thousands of dollars from me. And I had, I had isolated myself from all my girlfriends. And and like, truth be told, there were red flags, not just waving, that were like beating me over the head the whole time I was with him. And I completely chose to ignore it. So that was really, you know, I was 31. That was my moment literally of uh, on the floor crying in the fetal position. And that's when everything changed. I said, this is not how my life was supposed to end up. There has got to be something different for me. And I took radical responsibility for my life in that moment. And it was not easy. And I really had to stop pointing the finger at everybody else and start living my life for me and start healing. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'll be 40 really soon. So that was, yeah, not even a decade ago.
1: Well, Andrea, a lot of people can relate to hitting rock bottom. Frankly, a lot of people can relate to the love addiction you're describing, even if they've never used those words. I mean, you're talking about wrapping your entire identity up in whatever relationship you might be. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Then you hit rock bottom, which again, so many people feel like they've had that experience. But Andrea, the difference is not everybody makes a commitment then then, and there to change things. So what do you think that really was for you?
0: I think that, I, you know, I looked at that as an invitation and I consider myself a spiritual person and whatever you believe in, whether it's God, higher power, the universe, whatever, I feel like we're handed those invitations over and over again through life. I felt like I was handed that invitation probably a hundred times before that moment. And I chose to say, no, thank you. And it's so funny. um, Glennon Doyle Melton, who's um, from Mama Street, wrote the book. I went and saw her speak uh, over the weekend and she said something so funny. And she said, God's not like a crappy middle schooler who's going to like give you one invitation and then let's like, well, that's it. I'm not going to invite you anymore to this awesomeness. You know, like it'll, they'll keep coming. And I think that, I think everyone has a different pain tolerance for how much suffering they're willing to take. And it just it looks different for everyone. So I don't ever think you're going to not get another invitation to the quote unquote party. They'll keep coming. And for me, it was just it was my time.
1: So you were just ready.
0: Mm -hmm, I was ready. I was, I think that like everyone has a different way or time that they draw the line in the sand and comparative storytelling gets us nowhere. Like, well, my story's not as bad as hers or my story worse than hers. And, and, um, I think that can be a real problem for people. So yeah, I just, I was ready.
1: So describe then what you did with that. So you, you had that moment and you had that revelation and it opened your eyes to really kind of where you had placed yourself. It sounds like, so what did you do?
0: I started journaling furiously and took out all of my anger because a a big thing for me and, and I still struggle with this. It's a one day at a time thing for me is control. I want to be the director of not only my life, but your life too. And if you would just do and act as I say, (laughs) then we would all be happier, especially me. But you just don't know yet how much happier you'd be if I could could take control of this. So it was for me, you know, when I felt like I couldn't control something or someone and I wanted to tell them, I would take it out on my keyboard and I would get everything out. And then I also, so this was right around the time that the movie, The Secret came out and the book. (laughs) it was the beginning of like the self-help explosion. And so what I did and not to get too much into that, you know, and I'm kind of on the fence about a lot of that anyway, but I, I did something really simple and I drew a picture of what I wanted.
1: So you're, you're referring to the law of attraction,
0: the law of attraction, but yes, like what you put your mind to, what you focus on, you can have. And so I just was like, Hey, what do I want? So I took out a piece of paper and I had a pencil and I, I really just drew stick figures at a house with hearts and people around me. And I was like, Oh, it looks like what I need is love and community and you know, people to be there for me just to be seen and heard for who I am and just to take the mask off and be like my real self among all these people that I trust. Cause I didn't trust anybody. So it was just really about turning to gratitude too, because I was, I would, I was complaining for so long and just focusing. It's like, no wonder some of my friends didn't want to talk to me anymore. I just started focused on being grateful, and I got my hands on any kind of self-help book there was. I mean, this was really before the age of massive amounts of podcasts, but I recommend... Like, if podcasts had been out, that's what I would have been putting between my ears for sure. I just immersed myself. Um, I mean, I'm an addict. I'm an admitted addict, so that's... <laughs> That's what I did. I threw myself into self-help.
1: Well, and I think all that stuff sounds so fruity until you need it or until you you pick it up. And then you're
0: like, yeah, it's does. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, another thing I did too was, you know, more specifically was that I I surrounded my It's so interesting. So, I met my husband months later. And I found not that long ago, I found an email that I had sent him, and it was one of the very first pieces of correspondence we had together. And so this I told is not him,
1: this is not your practice husband. This is your your husband. This husband. is my husband
0: now, the one I have children with. Yes, the more norm, the most normal relationship I've ever been in. Yes. <clears throat> so I have this email, and I said in the email, you know, I kind of told him, you know, like kind of what was going on. He knew, but I also said I'm making a conscious effort to surround myself with people who are really positive and that I I really, really, truly want to be around. And and I was like, oh my gosh, look at me, like starting to <laughs> take control of what I could control. I, I, maybe I, my delivery could have been better to him now that I think about it, but I was really kind of being transparent and saying, I'm being really picky about who I spend my time with.
1: So what is your mission and your purpose now?
0: Um, God, that's a loaded question.
1: Oh, it's so easy. It's so easy. What is the meaning of your life, Andrea?
0: You have two minutes. You know what? Really, honestly, Ella, it's one day at a time. It sounds very 12-step program-ish, and it is, but I could sit here and be like, my mission is to be the best person I can be and to be of service and have an impact. And, And that is true. It is my mission. But really, my mission is to just take it one bite at a time. And sometimes one day at a time is too long. And I just try my best to forgive myself every day because I mess up and life's really imperfect and messy. And it's about, for me, it's about embracing it and being really vulnerable and being courageous. Um, and knowing that that's really uncomfortable, even for people that practice self-help for a living and, um, and just really do the best I can at any given moment. That's it.
1: Well, I have a lot of questions for you about the messages that you espouse and the things that you teach. But first, what, tell everybody what you do now.
0: I, you mean like for a living or like,
1: yeah, sorry. How do you help people now?
0: I'm like, well, I walk the (laughs) dog.
1: I I drink coffee (laughs) and I have two
0: kids. I help women let go of particular behaviors, more specifically perfectionism, isolation, people pleasing control. And choose courage instead. I'm also certified with um, the work of Brene Brown. Um, it's called the Daring Way. I have a podcast, and I and I blog, and I I tell my own stories because I teach through my experiences, and I'm really transparent about the stuff that I've been through and what I learned from it, and you know if I still have a hiccup and how I get around that, and. Yeah. I, you know, logistically speaking, I teach classes and work with women one-on-one.
1: Good. I wanted to get that out there. So I want people to understand that you sort of taken your life experience and, and really turned it into your service.
0: I turned my mess into my message. I like to say,
1: okay, so let's dive into some of this. Cause I want to get really practical. Sometimes it's easy to kind of skip across the surface and just be like, yeah, I went through hell and now everything's perfect. This and I look fabulous. <laughs> and, and you know, I'd like to peel this back just a little bit. So you talk about self-limiting beliefs, the way you think about yourself, the way you talk to yourself, the messages that you think day to day to day have everything to do with, how your life manifests itself. Talk to me about self-limiting beliefs and what your observation is in your own life or with the people that you work with.
0: The way I like to talk about that is really just the conversation, the everyday conversation that you're having with yourself, and more specifically, when you get triggered. So the triggers might look two different ways. So they could be, let me back up a little bit. I think that all of us have created in our minds, whether we know it or not, We have created this ideal kind of like utopian (laughs) existence and this ideal identity for ourselves, like how we want to be seen in the world. And we spend a lot of time and energy trying to make other people know that that is us. When 99% of the time, that identity that we've created we are setting ourselves up for disappointment and failure because it 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 isn't like i want people to see me as kind no really like we want people to see us as the kindest person that ever lived or as a healer or as the best salesperson that the company has ever seen or the best mom that's going to win pinterest awards like that's really like if we were going to tell the, the absolute truth that's what we want to be seen as and then we also have these unwanted identities that we would never want anyone to see us as Like if you're a mom Maybe like you don't want To be seen as like Anxiety ridden And frenetic And um, Or or maybe even like A helicopter mom Or a neglectful mom And all of these things That would trigger Really sh- shame And embarrassment In us And just like The things that you Would make you just want to hide <clears throat> So it's it's important to know those triggers because those are the things that send our inner critic, you know, what I like to call, you know, this negative voice in our head sends it just going off and telling us that we aren't good enough. You know, why are you even going to try to do that? You'll never make it. Um, you know, maybe you should try that when you lose ten pounds. Like all of this negative self-talk that's either preventing us from doing stuff going forward, or that's making you feel like crap right now. Like when you step out of the shower and you see your naked body in the mirror, you know things like that. So, I think that's how I like to talk about self-limiting beliefs because so much of confidence and success and healthy relationships. And happiness, and what I like to call kickassery, is really about how kind are you to yourself? How compassionate are you to yourself? How often do you let yourself off the hook? And and you know I work predominantly with with women, but women particularly, I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves. There is no way that we could we could check off the to do list that we that our inner critic has created for us. And so um, that's just a little snippet. Are you feeling me, Ella? (laughs) I am feeling
1: you. And I'm sitting here thinking, if I'm a guy and I'm listening to this, am I about to hit the pause button or am I like, tell me everything
0: you know? (laughs) Yes. Well, guys might want to actually fix it in their partners and coworkers and sisters.
1: And I mean, the truth is, male or female, we all have this inner dialogue going on. Oh yeah. Uh, anyone who knows a male or a female knows that that's true. All of the principles, though you work pr- predominantly with women, the principles that we're talking about, I would argue, are universal, Andrea. They
0: absolutely are. I mean, the the, the ideal identities and, you know, the unwanted identities, any man can sit down and figure those out for, for himself, and they just are going to look a little bit different. And for men, most of the time, their self-worth is wrapped up in what they do for a living and, you know, how much they can provide for their families and things like that. So... We all have them. They just look a little bit different.
1: Well, and that's true. We all have them. And then you have some friends or family or people you're close to, or maybe this is you, and your self limiting beliefs come out of your mouth all the time. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And that's why it's so important for you to start being aware of what your triggers are. Then you can become more aware of the conversation in your mind. And at the same time, become aware of the conversation that you're having with other people. How do you talk about yourself to other people? How do you accept compliments? How do you, um, do you, do you have certain friends that you just like collude about things that you know, complain and commiserate together. Like, and I'm sure people listening, are like, oh my God, that's me and my mom or my sister or things like that. And I'm not saying like, don't ever complain. Of course there's conscious complaining and venting and things like that. But like, I want to know like predominantly what is the conversation going on?
1: I get it. So what is the antidote to that? What is the antidote to the self-limiting the voice in the head?
0: It's a lobotomy. No, I'm totally joking. It's not. <clears throat> it's, it's really, and I can't inf- emphasize enough how much the awareness piece is. So I don't want people just to like skip over that and try to go to the solution. So really getting to know the awareness piece is really uncomfortable. I'm not going to say that like, it's super fun and kick ass. It's not. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. It might get emotional. Like figuring out like where this came from is, is really therapeutic for people. Um, That's beyond the scope of what I do, but I I think it's important to mention. And really what I like to have my clients do is just become aware and then try to stop yourself in the midst of it. So I'm not a huge fan of affirmations. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you the antidote is for you to completely change your thoughts into positive ones. Easy. it's totally easy, right? Oh, I mean, that's where there's this snap. whole genre of like, um, neuro linguistic. Um, what is it called? I don't even remember. I don't like know. the you name had of me, it.
1: You had me at neuro linguistic.
0: Like, yeah. So it's like changing the the neural pathways of your brain because you know when you're when you're our age, I'm almost forty. Like I've been thinking the same way for a really long time. So for you to sit here and tell me just change your thoughts, it's not going to happen. So what I ask people to do is just to. Become aware. And then when you find yourself in this kind of like, I call them gremlin attacks, you know, like maybe you are online, let's use Facebook as an example. So you're on Facebook and you see like your neighbor and she threw this like amazing 50th birthday party for her husband and it's Pinterest worthy. And then they went to on vacation to Hawaii and like, look at their kids, they look like a J.Crew catalog. And you're thinking to yourself man, she looks amazing. And I have like gained 10 pounds. I wouldn't even be. So like, there it goes. Right. And you can like add on and add on. And like a few minutes have passed and you are like 10 albums deep in her (laughs) Facebook pictures. And you like, you know, want to gouge your eyes out and you feel like crap about yourself. So when that happens and you, my favorite thing to say is, well, that just happened because here's what could happen. You find, like, you listen to someone like me, and then you're aware that you're having these negative self this negative self-talk, and then you beat yourself up for beating yourself up. I call it the ultimate ass kicker. And the thing is this, no, you're just human like all of us, and this is just what happens. So it's just being aware of it and acknowledging it, and then from there, you can practice into more, I just call them neutral thoughts, and thinking like, well, wow, yeah, she did have a great party. Like that is way less impactful on your soul and your spirit than beating yourself up and comparing yourself to what you just saw online.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you said that. And the difference is, I mean, somebody else's ship coming in, it does not mean that your ship stuck out in the Harbor, right? That might be the stupidest metaphor ever, but
0: (laughs) so much as humans, like we attach so much meaning to things. And I think it's just part of the human experience. And for some places that's good, but for, for things like that, it can be it can be really destructive to our self confidence and our self esteem and 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 being courageous in life. Just in life and like and it just affects so many other things. But I think if you can just be aware of it and like you said, just like watch the shit pass, like, oh there it goes.
1: <laughs> that is like saying, Oh, my friend is tan, fit, and healthy, therefore all of the sun is used up. I'm not going to be able to be tan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm gonna be pale and tragic forever. <laughs> You know, and, and we all know, like, don't compare your in your insides to someone else's outsides or their highlight reel and stuff like that. But I think that those kind of get a little bit tired after a while, we hear them a lot. And it's like, I understand the, the theory of that, but really, I think it's good to just have some kind of practical tools to use.
1: I think that's so true. And you you're describing one moment in one day. But the truth is, we have like 50 to 7000 moments like that in a day,
0: we have something like 60,000 thoughts a day.
1: 60,000 thoughts. I just had 60,001 and I'm stuck. And then we just repeat how many of them from day to day. Yep. Well, you've mentioned confidence and courage a few times. And one of the things that you have somewhere on your website, and I'm paraphrasing, fearlessness is bunk. And you may have used a slightly more colorful word than that. I did. Let's talk about that.
0: Well, and I think like fearlessness, I have a good friend and colleague, Kate, she goes by Kate Courageous, but she said, we were talking about this one time, she goes, I think fearlessness is the new perfectionism. And I'm like, oh my God, it is. I like, you know, fear less better because fear is a great tool. Fear to me has taught me so much about where I need to grow. Like, Can you imagine if we didn't have fear? I mean, first of all, how dangerous we would all be <laughs> We don't get injured all the time. I think that fear is is important to us, but I think that where it gets where it gets messed up is, you know, and this is sort of my whole philosophy of um, you know, how to live a kick-ass life. I think that we either come from, and this is a spectrum, I'm speaking very generally here, but we either come from one of two places. We create our foundation in life either from a place of fear or we create a foundation based on courage. So when we create a foundation based in fear and scarcity, which a lot of us do, it's it's our default as humans living in this culture. We tend to, you know, if you think of it like as a tree and this is, I like this metaphor. So fear is the soil is the dirt that is giving life to this tree. So the tree trunk would be your negative self-talk because that's pretty much what feeds your inner critic. Best food is fear So if you go up into the tree and the leaves in that, the behaviors from negative self-talk are a lot of times control, you know, wanting a guaranteed outcome, people pleasing and approval seeking, perfectionism, comparison, and isolation. The result from that is not feeling good enough about yourself, about who you are as a human. So when you don't feel good enough as a human, guess what your foundation is? Fear. So it's this cycle that keeps starting over and over again. So when you... When you make an intentional effort to come from a place of courage, which is very uncomfortable, by the way, (laughs) which is not easy. I'm not going to say like, it's super fun and easy. Everyone can do it. Courage is a practice. But uh, the trunk of that tree is more empowering self-talk and it's self-compassion. And then the leaves in that tree are things like surrender, surrendering to what is, which is the opposite of control, are setting boundaries and learning how to love yourself as a human, which involves a lot of self-forgiveness. It's healthy striving instead of perfectionism. It's self-kindness and it's reaching out for help instead of isolating. So the result of that is feeling enough. And when you feel enough, it's a hell of a lot easier to be courageous.
1: Okay, tell, so, I, I want to interrupt you. What do you mean mm-hmm. feel enough?
0: So you just, um, I think a lot of, of what happens when we come from fear-based, I'll talk I'll talk about not feeling enough first. It's worthiness. It's, you know, and this is, I'm getting really woo-woo here, Ella. Like this is some deeper 12, 12 layers underneath stuff. But um, a lot of times what it comes down to and all the people that I've worked with as a coach, the biggest struggle that, they really is underneath it all is not feeling good enough. I don't feel good enough to be in this relationship. I don't feel worthy to tell my story. So I'm just gonna keep it all in. I don't feel worthy to reach out for help. I think people aren't gonna have time for me. I think that my problem isn't, isn't bad enough. I think I'm gonna bother people. I feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not funny enough. These are the things that to me define worthiness. And a lot of times worthiness also comes down to love and belonging. You know, people don't feel like they're worthy of belonging to their community, to their partner, to their friends and family, and, or even just like feeling worthy of love. A lot of people feel unlovable deep down underneath it all. So all of those behaviors I was talking about are a result and perpetuate not feeling enough. It's a never-ending cycle, unless you are aware of it and work on courage.
1: Let's talk about that for a moment. Because, and if if I can read something that you wrote, you said about confidence, which leads us to courage. Years ago, when I saw women with confidence, I thought a few things that turned out not to be true. I thought they were born with it. I thought confidence was in their genes. And clearly, I wasn't born with it. I thought maybe I could fake it by acting like I was the bomb when I really did not think that I was the bomb. Um, you use a different word.
0: I was gonna say different well, words? <laughs> okay, I, I it's a different word.
1: <laughs> All this did was make me feel like poo. I'm trying to make this PG-13 and a big old phony. I thought I could just wait until I was old to finally get it. Confidence is not something you're born with or something you get by just faking it or something that you automatically gain when you turn 45. It's something that's built piece by piece over time. It's something you try, you mess up, you try again, again and again until you see progress. And then you keep practicing for the rest of your life. The way to gain confidence is by practicing courage. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. But how do yeah. you practice courage, Andrea?
0: To be courageous is to be vulnerable. So what that looks like in everyday life is having that really hard conversation with someone. whether it's your your partner or your manager or your coworker or your kids. It's um telling the truth when sometimes telling a lie would feel more comfortable. It's about telling your story, telling the right story to the right person at the right time. Um, It's asking for help, which is hard to do. It's standing up for what you believe in, even though it's unpopular. It's setting boundaries and not only setting boundaries, but following through with boundaries because it's one thing to set a boundary. It's another thing when that boundary is threatened and we have to actually hold strong and make sure that boundary is not crossed. It's it's things like going into things where you have no certainty that it's going to work out. It's asking someone out on a date, it's asking for a raise, it's saying I love you when you don't know if the other person's going to say it back. It's um, you know, apologizing when you've made a mistake. So a lot of times we we look at courage as these big sweeping things like I'm going to go to India and find myself. Like, that's courageous. Like, you know, like have these big eat, pray, love moments. And for most of us, I don't know about you, I don't have time to go to India, but being courageous for me is to, is telling my husband, you know, even apologizing to my husband, being courageous is setting boundaries with my clients and and holding to them. Um, do you see what I'm saying? Like they're small things. Right.
1: But your whole life is made up of these small things, Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, ta- you you named a couple of types, if you will, and I think isolation, Andrea, is an just an enormous issue. It's definitely not gender specific. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what this means. If you are what what do you call someone who's rendered themselves isolated?
0: It's someone who doesn't reach out for help, who thinks that they can do everything on their own. They're like hyper independent, and our culture has celebrated hyper independence. I mean, it's like that white snake song. Here I go again. On that. <laughs> Like that, it's like our anthem, right? No, I don't need anybody. I'm going to do it myself. And um, I think that like, that's not like we are meant, we are put on this earth for human connection, for deep human connection and love. That's what all of us want. At the end of the day, I don't care what kind of tough exterior you have. I don't care if you're a man or a woman listening to this. All of us want love and connection and not a whole lot of us know how to do it right. And that's okay because I'm there with (laughs) you. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) So with isolation is a lot of times we don't trust people because we've been burned. Right. We've gotten our hearts broken. We've been betrayed. And whether that's in our friendships or in our intimate relationships or in our work environment. So we just kind of throw our hands up and say like, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm not trusting anybody. And so we don't reach out when we need help. And that causes problems because it just, you know, and people are like, well, what do I do if I've been burned in the past? And really it's about, it's, it's to keep trying. I mean, I've been there. I don't, I don't really completely trust people, you know, like even my best friend, and I'm, I'm in the healthiest friendship right now I've ever been in with my best friend. And there are still times when I think about telling her something and I'm like, oh my God, she's going to judge me for this. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, courage is telling the story anyway and being afraid to tell it.
1: Okay. So, and as we're coming up on time and you and I are just scratching the surface, so you know what that means. It means that clearly we will be speaking again. Two questions for you. Well, firstly, let's tell everybody where they can find you, Andrea.
0: Easiest way to find me is yourkickasslife.com.
1: Easy. We will put that in the show notes and we'll also tag to your podcast. All right. Two questions that we like to ask everybody. Besides the resources that you've mentioned, in addition to your own work, what do you recommend for our listeners? A book, a blog, anything, any resource that you love that you want to share?
0: Okay, two of them. All of Brene Brown's books. So she has, I thought it was just me, but it wasn't. She has The Gifts of Imperfection, and she has Daring Greatly. And Can I can't spell pick
1: her one. name?
0: Brene, it's like Rene, but with a B. So it's B-R-E-N-E. Okay. Brown, like the color. Got it. And then the other one is I have been clinging like crazy to try to be able to figure out how to meditate. <laughs> so I love Headspace. It's an app and a site, headspace.com it's been the best thing for me who I have a really hard time. Like it's like hurting cats, like trying to get me to like be still and, my thoughts in I mean I'm sure you guys couldn't tell it all listening to me
1: <laughs> I am nodding vigorously over here I have no idea I, my version of meditating is like googling how to meditate for right. three minutes right
0: exactly but no I love and I'm, I'm forgetting the guy who hosts it um he's got this great British accent but he like allows you to let your thoughts wander and then bring, and I'm like I love you <laughs> it's meditation for beginners, but it's really truly for beginners, not just like meditate for two minutes. Like that's not helping me. That's my favorite meditation tool so far.
1: Okay. And one practice you would like each of us to try for one week, one habit or practice.
0: I would love for people to, you know, hit rewind and maybe listen again to what you and I were talking about at the beginning of the show and Maybe look at your triggers and what are the things that really make your inner critic go crazy that might be people, it might be situations, it's probably both. And just become aware of what it is and like, what is the conversation? What are you literally telling yourself and write it out? That's the first step.
1: Andrea, thank you so much. This has been very, very interesting. Quite the ride. I can't wait to get back on this roller coaster with you.
0: Me too. I'd be happy to come back.
1: All right, good. We will talk to you soon. And for now, keep doing what you're doing. Bye, everybody. Bye, Andrea. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. If you like the show, here are two ways you can pay it forward. Tell a friend, help spread the word, and leave a review in iTunes or Stitcher, whichever one you use. That helps the show enormously get traction, and our goal is to spread the word. So if this show spoke to you in any way, or it made you think of somebody who could get something out of it, share this with them. And if you want to send me feedback, you can do that directly. Here's how this works. Go to onairwithella.com, find the page that's called Connect, and send me an email. You can tell me anything you want to hear about, ways you think we can improve the show, or just what's on your mind. So I want to hear from you. If you have constructive feedback, tell me directly. If you love the show, share it with somebody and tell iTunes and or Stitcher. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.